Hello everybody, this is Charles Hayne. Welcome to another week in the Week in Film Tech. It is August 9th, 2019, and I am here with four stories and no hey professor, because again, there were no hey professors this week, so I'm just going to do more stories. The stories I'm covering this week are Aerie releases an update to their Stellar app. Pomfort releases an, a brand new app called uh, Pomfort Livegrade Studio for onset grading solutions. Then uh, Metabones, the speed booster, they have done a special speed booster just for the Blackmagic Pocket Cinema, and we're going to talk about what that means. And then last up, Adobe has released Premiere Rush with new features for speed control in their mobile editing application. Those are the four stories this week on The Week in Film Tech. Hey, everybody. All right, this is Charles Hain covering four tech news stories this week. The first tech news story this week, Aerie has updated their Stellar app. So a little bit of context before we do anything else. Aerie makes cameras. They make the Aerie Alexa. Everyone knows their cameras. Their lights, especially in the LED market, are very dominant. What does that mean? So sky panels are everywhere. They are considered sort of the default high-end LED light. If you are talking to a big union DP, a big union gaffer, chances are the first sky panel they use, the first LED they used were sky panels, and it is they very much own that high end of the market. One of the ways they do this is by being the you know full RGB, crazy programmable. You can do all sorts of neat patterns with them. You Obviously, you go to a big lighting show, and it's going to be everybody doing cop car effects on the LEDs. But beyond the cop car effect, which is built into everything, like little $200 LEDs have that, you have a whole lot of other programmable effects you can put into your LED lights that make them really flexible, usable units. And the sky panels have been incredibly popular for that reason. Uh, there have been a few movies that famously used other platforms. The Digital Sputnik were a really dominant vendor on Rogue One. At least partially that's because Aerie hadn't really moved into the space yet. But now that Aerie's moved into the space, they are very dominant. Like most of these newer LED lights, Aerie gives you a way to control the LED remotely using what's called the Stellar app. Now, this is actually not built into the LED. You have to have a special extra unit to make the Stellar app control it. So when you rent or buy a sky panel, you need to make sure, I forget the name of the unit, but there's like a special controllable unit. You want to check and make sure that the unit that controls it is available. So interestingly, a lot of people are still slow to take off with app control. I was talking to a DP friend of mine recently who was like, I was on an all sky panel show and I still saw everybody running around twisting the knobs on the unit. Nobody's moved over to the app. And I think we've, we're, still at a place where people are so used to physically walking over to the lighting units that they're not quite taking advantage of the app yet. But Stellar is hands down everybody's favorite app for lighting. There's Luminaire, which I'm doing a bigger review of this fall, and seems like it's really exciting sort of third-party solution. Luminaire is not aligned with any lighting company. They just are making this lighting app with industrial purposes, and they're trying to, I think, make inroads into film. But Stellar is Aries app. Now, they just came out with a new Stellar update, and it's actually one that seems small, but I think is going to be one of the ways in which it's going to start taking off in the marketplace. First off, you should all know the Stellar app is $10 a month. So even if you've bought the $7,000 light, you have to pay for app usage. There is a two-week free trial. I wonder if pricing is going to change on that in the future. We're going to, we'll see what Aerie does. But the big... Uh, release in 1.5 for Stellar is multiple users can use the can be in the same project at the same time. So what does this mean? Well, traditionally on a film set, what used to happen is we'd have walkie-talkies and you'd have the gaffer 
and the gaffer would be standing at the monitor. They'd be looking at the light and then you'd have like an electric out there at the light and they'd be communicating by walkie and they'd say, bring it up a little bit. You might even have a third person in this conversation. You'd have maybe a best electric out in the scene with a light meter. So you got the gaffer looking at the monitor. You got a best electric out in the scene. You got an electric on the light, churning the knobs, changing the settings. If it's a ceiling mounted unit, they used to have to get out with like sticks and turn stuff around. So it is always multiple people involved in the tweaking of a light. And the reason for that is because there's multiple places where you might see it and want to give input to it. So by allowing multiple users to work in the same scene at the same time with the new setup, Aerie is sort of allowing a more traditional film workflow. So think about a scenario like this. The dream scenario for something like this is you've got one per- gaffer and they're sitting at the highly accurate 65-inch Atomos neon monitors so they can see exactly what they're supposed to see and they can see it really big and they've got their stellar open and they're looking at the units and they're dialing in their settings. In reality, if I've got 50 units on my set, the gaffer is not going to want to have to individually program all of those 50 units in the 20 minutes they have to do lighting tweaks. So, you know, I envision now multiple users offering scenarios like, all right, the gaffers can have control over the big sort of key frontal units or key fill ratios and things like that, but they're going to be able to say, to the best electric, hey, can you look at that back corner for me? And then the best electric can go out there, look at the scene in the field, make tweaks in the same project, the same scene, because the two apps are going to be able to talk to each other. And that's the big release with Stellar 1.5 is multiple users working in the same project at the same time. This isn't going to be a big deal on a smaller shoot. If there's three of you out there, the fact that two of you can be in the app are not going to be that big a deal. But on bigger studio shoots, like you're lighting a big sitcom set or the ability to have someone, you know, if I've got an indoor and an outdoor scene, I can be worrying about the indoor scene and I can then ask one of the electrics to go dial in the outdoor scene. Uh, Things like that where two people can be working in the same project at the same time are really fascinating. I don't 100% know exactly how it works. I imagine there's sort of you know, master and slaves, the terminology we've traditionally used in software. I've never really liked it. Uh, nobody really likes it, but there's usually like one person's in charge and the other person's the junior and junior makes changes and master has to approve. It gets complicated. There's probably something like that built in. It's unlikely that like, you know, the gaffer could set something and then the best can just change it. And then two people are just like children being like, I turn it up, I turn it down. Although maybe that's how it works. But I think things like this are going to help us see stellar, make ground in crews that have maybe been dragging their feet on it a little bit. Um, Now that we're going to start to see multiple users having the ability to pipe that in together. Next big release this week is something from Pomfort called live grade studio. So if you haven't worked with Pomfort, Pomfort is one of the big Pomfort's the dominant high end onset software solution. So there's shot put and hedge, which are great solutions just for really robust backup and reports. And Pumpfort has a similar tool, Silverstack, that does very similar set of things that really help with the downloading your footage, managing your footage, making sure it's going to the right place, making sure that you've logged what you've brought down, that it's all checksum verified. All of these tools are really common for that. And technically, Resolve has some live grading tools, but we ignore those. They're not great. If you want to be able to open up your piece of software, connect it to your monitor, and then a signal is coming off a camera and you're live grading that signal before it's on the monitor... Pomfort's your tool. Pomfort Live Grade. It interfaces with all the major monitor platforms. It can interface with multiple monitors at the same time. It is the big tool for that really 
integral, robust DIT, digital imaging technician uh, workflow where they're really managing client expectations by making sure that it is all uh, properly managed. So LiveGrade Studio is a new release from Pomfort who own this sort of high end of the market. And um, I mean, they're competitors. There's like Lilypad at a light iron and stuff like that. But in terms of like not allied with a specific post house, Pomfort is the independent one, I guess. Although maybe Pomfort has a post house in Germany. I don't know about, but I think they just do software. And the cool thing with LiveGrade Studio is LiveGrade Studio is all about empowering DITs with better routing control. And many of you are probably thinking routing control does not seem that exciting, but routing control is actually really exciting. So one scenario that comes up all the time on multi-camera film sets is I have three cameras and how am I transferring that signal to people to be reviewing it? So this is not a big problem in the traditional multi-camera sitcom world because a traditional multi-camera sitcom world was built around that. I have my four cameras on set and then I have four monitors in the control room and, you know, there's a little tally light showing me which one is going and like for 70 years, four camera sitcoms, three camera sitcoms, three camera TV news, that whole world has been very self-contained. In the last 10 to 15 years, film sets with digital cinema cameras coming along have started to see an explosion of the number of cameras. I still like shooting quote-unquote single camera, and when I say quote-unquote single camera, I mean the vast majority of productions I work on, we have two or three camera bodies on every scene, and I call it single camera because I think of one as the A camera, and I am planning out a camera shot, and I'm thinking through the storytelling of a camera, and then B and C just get whatever they want. Oh, I can stick you here, I can stick you there, I can get an extra here, editor gravy. And I consider that single camera because I'm putting, you know, I think of multi-camera as I'm balancing A and B and trying to get a good shot out of both, and I'll make sacrifices to A to get a good shot out of B. I think of single camera as A gets the exact shot I want and B just gets whatever. And if, you know, the camera walk, if A walks through B, I'm not going to worry about it. And that's where we are now because, you know, it's so easy to bring out an extra digital camera body. It's so easy to bring out four extra digital camera bodies. It's so easy to just throw them in there. Multi-camera production is really becoming a very dominant common thing. But one of the big problems you get in a multi-camera production is how do you start routing all of those video signals all over so that people can monitor actually, right? If I'm shooting four cameras, does that mean I need four monitors at the DIT station and four monitors at the director station and four monitors at the client station? And now that every director wants to wander around with their own little wireless video solution, you know, I just did a review earlier this summer, Small HD is making all these really great integrated solutions where you've got a monitor and it's got an integrated Teradek receiver in it and you're just getting the signal set to it and it's powered with like a little Sony battery and you can just wander around all day and then you're set. That kind of thing is all super awesome, but it requires a lot of consciousness of routing. How is the video signal going from one place to another? And the DIT in a lot of ways becomes sort of the hub around which all that operates. So what Pomfort Studio is really built around is it works with all the major video switchers. You know, uh, Blackmagic makes video switchers. There's a lot of other big video switchers where you can have a bunch of video signals in and video signals out. And uh, Pomfort Studio is designed to give you a more robust and easy to navigate world where, you know, one of your video outputs could be director's handheld monitor and another one could be DP's handheld monitor. And then the director or the DP can say, switch me between camera one, camera two, camera three, camera four on that little handheld monitor. And Pomfort Live Studio is going to make that a much easier process where you get a much clearer visual readout with a lot less overhead. And you're not having to like run back to the hardware station. You're not having to like bend over and get down into your patching and repatch cables. 
you've got your switcher or really your video router, not your video switcher. You've got your video router and it's being controlled by the software in Pomfort. And that's going to make it much easier when you're moving these big multi-camera video signals around a set. Because in reality, yes, every once in a while I'm on a big job where we have four monitors everywhere. For the most part, we still want to see it on one monitor. So what ends up happening then is a lot of times B and C don't get monitored quite as robustly. But with a tool like LiveGrade Studio and the proper hardware to go with it, you're going to be able to make it so that you can switch back and forth. You know, you can be walking or sitting next to the DIT and they can be sending different signals to different places much more easily and in a way that feels much more fluid with a lot less headache. And I think it's a really interesting place for LiveGrade to put themselves. I think it's a really smart move. I'm really glad that they're doing it. Obviously, if you own a router, Blackmagic has like their router control software. But by joining this together with LiveGrade so that you can change the way the signal's routed and the way it's colored at the same time, it's LiveGrade. So because it's LiveGrade, you can change the way the signal is both routed and colored at once. You can keep track of all those things. You can label them from within the software. So now you're like, okay, the DP wants to see camera three, the director wants to see camera two, the director likes seeing it with this LUT, the DP likes seeing it flat. You can do all of those things and switch them dynamically based on the information they want in the software. And I think that's pretty cool. And I was very excited to see that release from Pomfort. Up next, a little hardware for all the hardware junkies. So the biggest camera hit of the year is the Blackmagic Pocket. Uh, I did a review of it last year. I liked it a lot. I had some like weird ergonomic issues. Um, obviously it's a $1,500 4k raw camera. That's going to be a huge hit. And it's been a huge hit and you see them everywhere. I was on a shoot last week and you know, the DP's friend just stopped by with a black magic pocket and it was all rigged up and had a big prime on it. And like, you know, shot a little B camera stuff, uh, just because like it was just in his backpack, which is not something that happens with $10,000 cameras. It is something that happens with $1,500 cameras. So black magic pocket, obviously been a big, huge hit. However, there remains those weird little ergonomic things where like the shape is kind of awkward and it's just kind of like, it's like, it's a little too wide in my opinion. You need to use a bracket to use it with the run and S and like, I'm really excited for black magic pocket cinema, 4k generation two. I think that'll be interesting. Maybe a little better low light and maybe it'll be a little like more ergonomic, but you know, for $1,500, the fact that it has real XLR and as a, USB port that you can shoot to SSD and it has like a real power connector and it has real audio connectors. And it like, obviously it's a real dynamite package of features in that price point. So it makes sense that Metabones has made a speed booster for it. So if you don't know the Metabones speed booster, you should. The Metabones speed booster is a really great adapter when you are working with a smaller sensor. Metabones speed booster takes a lens that's designed for a larger sensor, like let's say a full frame sensor and when it adapts that lens for the smaller sensor, it actually uses optical magnification to adapt that lens. So it's not just cropping into the middle of it. It's actually squeezing the image down. And it's doing that. And in the process of doing that, it's actually getting making the image more bright. If you think if you've ever like stood outside with like a magnifying glass in the sun, and you can make that little hot spot by concentrating light together, you can create more light volume. And that's what speed boosters doing. Speed boosters taking out an image that's larger a full frame image and it's squeezing it down a little bit. So it fits on a smaller sensor in the black magic pockets case, a micro four third sensor. And it's getting a little more light out of it, like half a stop to two thirds of a stop. And 
two-thirds of a stop can be a big deal. It can take a lens that, you know, on the side is written to T2, and it can make it almost a 1.4 lens, which is, like, a very useful thing, especially because Blackmagic Pocket's not phenomenal in low light with its smaller sensor size. But particularly cool about this is Metabones. Apparently, there's, like, 100,000 speed boosters out there, and a lot of them are for micro four-thirds. It's a very popular speed booster format. Metabones is making one specifically for the Blackmagic Pocket. First off, it's yet another reminder that this camera is a huge hit. But on top of that, it's also, like... It's like trying to fit in with some of the weird ergonomic decisions that Blackmagic made, where they're like, sort of a, forget what the press release said, it was like custom-shaped for the unique body of the Blackmagic Pocket or something simpler, which is basically saying like, Blackmagic Pocket's a little weird and we're going to make it specifically designed for the Blackmagic Pocket. So obviously what's really nice about that is it's optimized for the sensor and whatever sensor filters, whatever filter stack is on that sensor by buying the uh, Metabones that... Uh, speed booster that isn't designed to work with any micro four thirds, but this specific one, they're able to customize it much, much more, which is always a nice feature. And it's available in PL, which is not going to give you as much boost because super 35 is not that much bigger than micro four thirds, but it's also available for full frame. So you can adapt a full frame lens like a Sony E or a Canon EF or maybe even, oh, I don't know if there's an EFR. I don't know if there's room in that. Regardless, there's a whole bunch of options on the Metabone Speed Booster site, and you can then go out there and maybe even work with, like, some full-frame T1.4 cinema lenses, adapt them with the Speed Booster, and get, like, the equivalent of a T1, almost, out of a Metabone Speed Booster working on a Black Magic Pocket, which I think is, like, sort of a really cool dynamite combination. So... Check that out, the Speed Booster dedicated just for the Blackmagic Pocket. All right, and our last story this week, I'm doing four stories because there was no uh, Hey Professor. Last story this week, Premiere, the Adobe editing project Premiere, has a little cousin called Premiere Rush. And Premiere Rush is the uh, editing application that Adobe has released for iOS. Works on your iPad, works on your phone. But the cool thing about Premiere Rush isn't that they have an editing app on their phone because... You know, there have been things like that around for a while, and there's iMovie for your phone, and there's LumaForge. What's cool about Premiere Rush that makes it really unique is the projects can move back and forth seamlessly between normal Premiere on your iMac and Premiere Rush on your phone with automatic background syncing of cloud media. So I shoot something. I download that media to my iPad. While I'm editing it on my iPad in Premiere Rush, it's background uploading it to the Adobe Creative Cloud servers. I get back to my office. I open it in my iMac in normal Premiere. All that media is already there in the cloud, and I start working immediately, seamlessly. It's really designed for those fast turnaround YouTuber type of edits to be able to start their edit faster, keep their edit moving more quickly. It's sort of a really interesting position Premiere Rush is in. And they just did a huge new upgrade. The marquee feature of the new upgrade in Premiere Rush is now speed changes with pitch correction are built into Premiere Rush. So I want to slow something down. I want to speed it up. I want to do all of those kind of edit things. All of those tools are now coming into Premiere Rush, which is really turning Premiere Rush, you know, which has some basic filters and some basic titling tools and some basic music editing tools. It's really continuing to develop Premiere Rush in a way The reason why this was an interesting news story for me to cover isn't necessarily the speech changing and pitch shifting, because editing programs have had that for a while. It's Adobe has released this thing, and they're continuing to put development into it. They're continuing to put 
effort into it. And that's what's fascinating because this is something that I could easily see a big company putting out and then sort of letting languish. And then two years later, there've been no updates, but it is very clear from the pace of updates on Premiere Rush that I think we are seeing a tool that Adobe is continuing to refine, is getting a lot of usage out of. Like they have usage data on this. It's an iOS app. They can tell how, how much people are using it the same way with, you know, their normal clouds. They can tell how many people are checking in with the cloud. They can tell it is a tool people are using. They're responding to their users on it, and they're building new features into Premiere Rush that I think users are going to like. Obviously, all the big four editing platforms have some sort of cloud strategy. I think Premiere's cloud strategy is very much, we're going to have cloud storage, and we're going to make it so that you can start a mobile and move it to desktop. I believe you can't move it back. I believe once you've been editing on iMac, you can't then kick it to iOS. But just the fact that you can start on iOS and work robustly on iOS and then move it over for your finishing or for fancy titling on desktop is enough of a step that it's super impressive. And the fact that they're continuing to roll out new features into Rush so there's even less incentive to move it over to the desktop is pretty interesting to me. All right, everybody, that is all the news this week in the week in film tech, all of the stuff that you missed out on because you were probably on set. You should follow me on Twitter at Charles Hain. Ask me questions for a professor there or email me. Um, you should also check out weekendfilmtech.com. We have a mailing list where you can sign up and I send an email every other week or so with like, hey, here's all the articles I talked about. Also, if you enjoy this podcast, tell your friends about it. Tell them to subscribe. Please feel free to subscribe wherever you subscribe to podcasts. I just try and share the news every week of all of the film geeky stuff that you should know about, but you might not have time to follow every blog the way I do. So please do share the knowledge with your friends who also work in film, who should know the stuff that is coming down the pike because... You know, a bigger audience is always better, and then I get more cool Hey Professor questions. All right, everybody, I'm glad the heat finally broke here in New York, and I will see everybody next week for the Week in Film Tech. Music.